This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst in New York, Edward Moyer. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Kicking off this week, we have a couple key things out of Australia. And of course, it is a busy week for central banks, not just over there, but also in the US. This long weekend was, of course, Independence Day that we had here in the United States. We're going to kick off this week talking a little bit about yet another central bank, which has been a a trend here that we've talked about on the podcast. We've been watching very closely what central banks have to say. And we actually did get a pause out of the RBA. Now, of course, uh, for, for Western listeners, of course, North American listeners, this was in the middle of the night for us, very early time for UK. Uh, we did get uh, the the cash rate out of uh, Australia to be unchanged. So it's at 4.1% uh, on its July 4th policy meeting, uh, which actually was sort of up in the air, whether or not they would go again or if they would pause. And so we saw a little bit of a pause, but similar to what we got out of Jerome Powell, we did also kind of get narrative that uh, this is not necessarily a pause and we're done from here kind of thing, but rather a let's take a moment to let the numbers come in, but we are more than willing to continue to go with rate hikes to make sure that inflation kind of gets under control in a normal amount of time. Uh, and this seems to be a trend, not only just in Australia, but we've seen this in several central banks that you know the idea of continued rate hikes could also partially be due to the idea that we need to get inflation not just head in the right direction, but make it go in the right direction at a good pace. So it's not just kind of very rare, barely trickling down back into a normal rate. Uh, as a prolonged period of high levels of inflation can be really damaging to an economy. So there is still this kind of like uh, narrative from the RBA as, as other central banks have been doing that's kind of along the lines of let's just see how the data comes in, but we're very willing to continue to go as need be. Um, There is, of course, more that I want to talk about this in reference to gold. I think we're going to come back to that topic. We'll talk commodities later in the podcast. But first, we've got some factory data that I want to go to Ed on to ask him about. Uh, Ed, what's the latest? You had some numbers you were eager to talk about. Yes. So so we got another round of uh, factory order data and uh, it suggests cooling demand. And I think that what we're starting to see, a slowdown is clearly in place. And uh, I think this is supporting that narrative that you've just uh, painted for Australia. But here in the U.S., we're seeing softer demand. Uh, We are seeing inflation continue to come down. And uh, as we await the Fed minutes, I think we're going to start to see that there is a little bit of a um, disagreement as far as what should be done. But I think when you take a look at the data, um, without, you know, there's no doubting that, you know, the disinflation process has been fairly strong. Um, you know, when we get next week's uh, CPI report, you know, the base effects are really going to have an impact on that. And we potentially could get, a, you know, a 2.9% year over year reading. Um, I think the consensus right now is at 3%, but still, uh, you know, inflation has come down a long way. And I think there's, you know, a lot of people anticipating that, well, this could support the Fed being one and done. Uh, but when you take a look at, you know, exactly what happened with inflation throughout last summer, I think what we're going to start to see is, you know, we're going to form a, a low next next week with next week's inflation report, but we're going to probably start to see um, the stickier signs of it. And I think we're going to see that inflation should probably start to creep higher again in, in, in the next few months. And uh, that is really going to, I think, you know, yield a lot of debate at the Fed and whether or not, you know, they need to do a hike, a pausing and hiking, pausing and hiking. Maybe they pause a couple months, but I think there is still risks that they're going to have to do more. I think a lot of people, and when you take a look at where risk 
risky assets are positioned. Uh, you know, the stock market has not you know, really had a major pullback. And I think there's a lot of optimism here that the Fed will be one and done. And until we start to see, um, uh, I think, further evidence that, you know, inflation continues to to come down beyond the summer, um, you know, I, I think the risk of the Fed doing more is still there. And I think that's what's not priced into the market. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think, you know, this is this is kept stocks higher, a lot of money on the sidelines. And unfortunately, uh, you know, just the way of the way the market's positioned, <laughs> we could still see stocks grind higher. Um, will the breadth, you know, spread to the 493 non-mega cap tech stocks that's going to be difficult given this environment and given the weaker consumer um but we'll we'll see what happens uh, but this is a uh, definitely a i think uh you know the second half of the year should be rough waters for equities but we'll we'll see if they continue to grind higher first before that pullback ed i really want to ask you a little bit about that dynamic because what is sort of fascinating to me right now in the markets is that you mentioned the equities markets somewhat disagreeing with the the tone set by monetary policy um, in the United States, but in also in other places, right? You've seen the Nikkei performing really well, which I guess is is lesser relevant, but then you have like um, other other stock markets still holding up all right. Uh, we're seeing that in the, the US though, there's that very big divergence between uh, Jerome Powell who continues to make the stance that, hey, we're not afraid to keep going, and yet the equities market's moving higher. I, I did wanna come to gold. I mentioned coming back to that on the podcast. Gold, I think, think is, and we've talked about this as well, it is listening a little bit more. Um, it's been down. We've seen economic uh, numbers coming out pretty pretty relatively holding up. And so both of those factors have really suppressed the price of gold. It's well below, um, you know, it actually dipped below 1900, but well below that 2000 mark uh, at this point. And so you have this uh, this very interesting uh, dynamic where equities are kind of just shrugging off everything that the, the Fed says, but then the metals market is, is a little bit more, um, you know, paying attention to to that. And the question is, which one is right? Is the equities market forward looking enough that they see, okay, yeah, the numbers are going to keep coming in as expected or, or, or you know, uh, to satisfy what the Fed wants to do and they're going to, they're kind of going to pivot or is it the gold market that's kind of got it wrong, the, the metals market that's kind of got it wrong? Um, and, and is that economic data being so uh, sort of resilient recently enough to keep the price of gold down? I don't know. I, I want to ask your thoughts just briefly on gold, but then also, of course, the oil market fits into that category nicely as well to kind of cover commodities. What do you think about that? I will tackle gold first, just to get that out of the way. Um, well, gold, I think it's important to note that, you know, outflows have been plunging, um, you know, throughout the uh, end of May and June. Um, so we've seen holdings um, really take a tumble, not towards, you know, the lows we saw in March, but uh, there, there is a, it's an interesting reaction right now. I, I, I think that, you know the the gold market. Um, I think will will eventually become attractive um, because the the way we're the way the market has really been positioned is the belief is that if the Fed does one more rate hike, we could still have a soft landing. We could we could still somehow avoid recession. Um, if the Fed does two. Um, that's where uh, that changes a lot of models, and that's where people will become a lot more pessimistic um, with how you know stocks can perform. Um, I think you know the, the belief is that um, you know there, there's a greater likelihood of a recession, um, and you know I, I, I think you know we're, we're not going to see any relief for. Um, 
you know, small businesses. I think, you know, the, the tightening of credit conditions is only going to get worse um, because the labor market is so, it, it's still pretty strong. Um, you know, the costs are still elevated. Wage pressures are, are probably going to remain even as we enter a, a slowdown period here for the U.S. So um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic um, for for the economic outlook. But right now, that's not the consensus. The market is pretty pretty convinced that um, we're going to have one more rate hike, and that's it. And I think that's where the market could be wrong. Um, so what we, we should probably hear a minutes that show a, a growing divide amongst the Fed, and I think we'll probably see higher for longer uh, becomes the theme. And you know, where where I think rate cuts are, are going to get pushed back further into next year. So that's that's probably um, I think where. When we currently have the markets, you know, positioned. Um, now, going back to you know oil and and some of these other key commodities, I think oil prices are going to be fascinating because we're going to see that that's I think a market that is is going to remain tight. We've seen the Saudis and Russians, um, you know, kind of play nice and signal that they're going to do their part to support the market. Uh, Russia was really you know reaching their limits, so you know them doing a little bit of an export uh, cut, not really hurting them. They're still getting the funds that they need to, 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 to survive. And there's no pressure on China, India, Turkey to, you know, stop buying Russian oil. So, I mean, Russia is still, um, they're, they're not in the house of pain right now. And I think we're not really anticipating that that's going to happen. Um, but I, I think we will see that the oil market is going to remain tight and that there is a tentative floor and that the OPEC cuts I think should still um, be able to keep prices supported here. I think we'll probably start to get used to seeing Brent above $80 um, um, once we, we um, have more of the economic slowdown priced in. Um, so so we'll, we'll see what happens. But right now, I think uh, there's, there's a growing optimism here that U.S. economy has been resilient. Uh, China China's been very patient. They've been too patient with their stimulus. And I think one of the reasons why is... Uh, they anticipate that they're still going to hit their 5% growth target. Um, and that's without significant stimulus. And uh, eventually that's going to be the, the cherry on top. So I think, you know, China's recovery is only going to improve. Um, and and that, that should, I think, uh, be rather positive for the crude demand outlook uh, for the second half of the year. And um, that should, um, I think, you know, we, we probably will see the risk of oil being higher, be a little bit greater than um, lower, despite um, some of these recessionary fears that are growing. Yeah, very interesting. And I think just to go back for a moment with your concept with with gold and and oil, actually, um, the concept of, you know, if two rate hikes do come in, it does ask like an interesting question. If in that case, we see two rate hikes do actually start to get priced into the market uh, or expected and, and priced in, um, the question is, you know, does that actually suppress the equities market, but perhaps offer a little bit of a fear um, you know, component, which as we know, when it comes to gold, that can actually be a, a driving force is if they keep going. And then the question is like, well, how far is this thing going to go? How stubborn is inflation? If that does occur, I wonder if perhaps the trade shifts from, um, 
equities into um, into gold. I, you know, one comparable, it's a different situation, but it's something to think about is in 2020, right? Gold outperformed the stock market um, for, for a good period there uh, out of the idea that, of course, stimulus was being pumped into the market um, and gold saw a little bit of a lift off that, but it was also perhaps a little bit of a fear of what, what lies ahead kind of thing. So it does, I guess, bring the question for, for gold and, and we'll have to discuss it in more depth so we don't spend all day on this, but we, we certainly could. Uh, the question is, more rate hikes if, if hawkish monetary policy, of course, that suppresses the price of gold in some ways, but it does also introduce perhaps a fear uh, you know, component of how far can this go and how destroyed could the economy perhaps be? How deep could a recession be? I think it's a little bit far out right now, which is partly, partially probably why gold is uh, not performing super well. But if it does become a question, uh, it could be an interesting one to watch. So, um, And then, of course, with oil, like you said, it's a little bit different there because if, again, recessionary fears come on, that's a different pressure on the oil market than it is on gold as that fear market or that fear component doesn't necessarily help so much with oil. So very, very interesting stuff there. And And uh, thanks for answering the questions, Ed. Ed, Nick, thanks for joining us today. We'll speak to you again on Friday. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. 